Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 144 of the podcast. It's the 3rd of October, 2018, as I record this intro. This week on the podcast, I have a fascinating conversation with Jen Lumanlin about her decision to leave school behind. As Jen describes it, I don't have much in the way of parenting instinct, but I make up for it with outstanding research skills. Her deep dive into research surrounding being a parent led first to a master's in psychology with a focus on child development, then to another master's in education, and then ultimately to choosing unschooling as a path forward for her family. In this episode, we dive deep into how she came to that decision and how she's shifting things so that she can soon stay home with her daughter as she reaches compulsory school age. As a personal update, I've spent a good part of the last few days fighting a cold. (laughs) I'm not quite sure if I'm on the mend yet, but I'm happy that my care so far has helped me not become incapacitated. (laughs) Sleep is definitely my friend. And I got my summit recordings done, so it's all good. And as a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Jen. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Jen Lumanlin. Hi, Jen. Hi, Pam. It's great to be here. Was that close enough? How about you try it? (laughs) Lumanlan. Lumanlan. There we go. There we go. All right. (laughs) I first connected with Jen last year when she asked to interview me, and that was really fun. We connected again recently, and I thought her idea to deep dive into the process of making that initial decision to forego school was a great one. Because looking at the survey I did last year, around 14% of listeners were in the midst of that decision, not having started unschooling yet. And while those particular respondents have probably made the decision by now, I imagine that that's pretty representative of of the uh, sample of our listeners. So this episode is especially for those contemplating a move to home and unschooling. So to get us started, Jen, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Yeah. Um, Hi, it's great to be here. I live in Berkeley, California. Uh, Lots of granola out here. (laughs) (laughs) I live with my husband and my daughter. Her name is Karis, which rhymes with Paris. And uh, it's a Welsh name. And she is four years old. 
And we, my husband and I both have corporate jobs until now, although we're sort of working on transitioning out of that, hopefully, with a view to homeschooling and unschooling. <laughs> so that's uh, in process. Um, we are, we've been married for uh, probably about 10 years now. The theme of our wedding was hiker marries biker, and that's kind of what we like to do. He's the biker and I'm the hiker. And <laughs> the hiker now bikes, although the biker does not hike. Oh. <laughs> So, um, and yeah, we, I sort of transitioned into backpacking with my daughter for a while. Uh, we did, we actually did the Tour de Mont Blanc when she was, uh, eight weeks old. So it was 10 wow. days around Mont Blanc in France and Switzerland and Italy. And I had her in a front pack and <laughs> it was one of the most amazing things I've ever done. And since then we've done long distance hikes in a whole bunch of places in Europe, mostly and in Colorado and, so uh, that's kind of what I like to do. I saw some pictures recently. You were, you were away recently, right? That. We were, yeah. We actually, we went back to the start of the Tour de Mont Blanc uh, trip. We have some friends in France and uh, they are close enough to there that it's just an hour away from there and you can just pop over and see Mont Blanc anytime you like. <laughs> and so, yeah, we went up there and it was, it was amazing. It was such an amazing feeling to remember and look back on that achievement of carrying an eight-week-old around <laughs> that mountain and now have her be four years old and and, and hiking some rocky, rough trail by herself. And she got pooped at the end and I had to carry her in the backpack and she fell yeah. asleep. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a really awesome thing to look back on. Yeah, that's very cool. And the, the pictures reminded me because uh, Mike just got home a couple of days ago and he spent two weeks hiking in Norway, mm. the mountains Oh, there. that's on my wish list. <laughs> oh, he loved it. He loved it. <laughs> yes. One day, Chris and I will hike there. I needed to be able to walk a little further by herself first because she's getting to the point where I can't carry her for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, that's, I, I, and that's part of the whole flow, right? That's, yes, that's the awesomeness, the, how you adjust to, to all those little pieces of the puzzle. Um, anyway, as I mentioned, we are going to deep dive into the journey surrounding your decision um, that homeschooling and ultimately, as you mentioned, unschooling was going to be the path for your family. So I wanted to start at the beginning. Um, school is definitely the conventional path for children and learning. So what sparked you to even consider that that path might not be for you guys? Yeah, it was, I mean, I should say that I went to school. <laughs> I had a very conventional education. Um, I think the seed was originally planted actually when my daughter was an infant because I had a bunch of air miles expiring. And so uh, Delta sent me a flyer saying, sign up for these magazines. And so I was about to give birth and I signed up for a bunch of magazines. So I would have something to read. And one of them was Outside Magazine. And so it just so happened that Ben Hewitt's essay was published ah. in Outside Magazine. And she was probably, I don't know, a month old. Uh, and I'm nursing and reading this essay about these uh, his, his two children and the reason that he started unschooling, which was because he had learned, he, he had spent some time with these two children who he just thought they were the most amazing children. And, you know, he was talking with his not then, not then, not yet then wife about it. And, and she said, yeah, I didn't know there were children like that anymore. <laughs> and so that was what first opened my eyes to the fact that, oh, there's this other thing out there you could do. And of course, you know, that there were other things going on in my life at that point. And <laughs> I took that piece of knowledge away and didn't do much with it. And so fast forward, I guess a year or so, and I'm starting to think about kind of daycare preschool decisions. 
and uh, looking at those different options. Do we go Reggio Emilia? Do we go Montessori? Do we go Waldorf or something else? And so because I'm a bit of a research nerd, I did a lot of research in scientific literature and I actually got a master's <laughs> in psychology focused on child development, you know, as you do <laughs> when you want to be a better parent, you get a master's. <laughs> you get a master's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I have no parenting instinct whatsoever. That's <laughs> so, but I have really good research skills, and I can kind of use the the latter to plug the gap in the former. And so, um, so I, I ended up going to Reggio Emilia, Italy, because the child-led learning seemed like it was the most uh, sort of intuitively appealing avenue for me. And so I went there on a study group to learn more about it. And we decided, okay, this is what we're going to go with. And got lucky. There was a Reggio-inspired school that had an opening. And she's now in a Reggio-inspired preschool. And then I kind of took a breath <laughs> and said, okay, what happens after preschool? <laughs> and so I started reading about school and as you do, you get a master's in education so that you can learn more about school. And so ultimately it just came down to, you know, I'm spending a not inconsiderable amount of money in the San Francisco Bay area to send my child to this child directed learning based school. And at the end of it, I'm then going to dump her in a school where she's going to be graded and tested and you know, all the rest of the things that happen in school and somebody's going to tell her what to learn and how to learn it. And I just couldn't reconcile those ideas in my mind. So that I think was sort of the, the, the sparking process as it were. Mm -hmm. spark. <laughs> yeah. And well, that does lead nicely to the next question I would think comes to you, as you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is it about schools that weren't really going to work for you as you, as you were talking about, um, it was going to be a totally different environment for her. So yeah. what, what are some of those pieces that you wanted to leave behind? Yeah. So I, I wish I remember how I first found out about John Holt, but it was reading John Holt that, uh, really sort of started to crystallize it for me. And it was just, you know, I'm reading and I'm nodding as I'm reading through and thinking, yes, I agree with this. It just makes so much sense. And, you know, I, I did very well in school. Um, I, I think I graduated second in my class in England and I started in community college here, transferred to Berkeley, ended up going to Yale for a master's. And I did well because I learned how to play by the rules. So I'm good at studying. I'm good at learning. But what I'm really good at is reading a syllabus and an exam question and knowing what the teacher wants to get out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, is that, is that really learning to the fullest of my potential? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, my husband comes from an immigrant family, uh, hence the, the last name that's almost unpronounceable. <laughs> uh, he, you know, his family wanted him to succeed in school. They came here to give him a better life. So they paid him 20 bucks to get an A and he got a decent number of A's and he now has basically no intrinsic motivation to learn anything for the sake of learning it. And so, you know, I put those two pieces together, but I thought, all right, what if I'm missing something? What if things have moved on, things have done differently now? So I, so I got this master's in education because <laughs> I really wanted to understand it. Am I really current on how teachers are taught and what they're taught? Um, and so, found when I did it was, you know, I learned some of the best practice in, in sort of formative evaluation and uh, how to really, uh, if you're going to assess children, how to do it in a way that provides them with useful feedback. 
But I, what I found was I was always the one pushing the professors. <laughs> so the question I would have to answer in my paper would be something like, imagine the governor of your state asked you to develop a plan to save water. Okay, well, at least it, they're trying to make it sort of interesting. But what if instead you took your children down to the local park and said, hey, you know, do you guys need any help understanding your watershed? And can we contribute to a survey of what's going on? Because we live here and it's really important to us. And, and this will be actual real work <laughs> that you can use. And the evaluation sort of happens as the park staff say, well, that's not quite how we do it. And if you did it like this, we can make even more use of it and so I'm writing my essays from that perspective yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting an A for it because I can read a syllabus and I make sure all the required <laughs> points are in there yeah it's felt you know yes I I feel as though I'm ahead of of the curve on this one and so even if I don't pay her what's the point of teach of, of testing and grading it doesn't communicate anything of value to her it's not for her, it's for the school, really. And for the parents, um, right? And for, and for the parents, yeah. <laughs> for uh, the school to know the child is learning. Yeah. 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 And so having done all this background on child-led learning, I sort of have come to the point where I reject the notion of a standardized curriculum and the idea that anybody can know everything that another person should know. Um, because I looked at how I have learned uh, since I left school and just as an example, um, I've started doing consults to parents uh, to help them develop their relationship with their children and parent more in the way that they want to parent. And so I wanted a little summary coming out of that report for them to refer back to. And so I thought, okay, Canva is supposed to be a tool to do for this. I played around in Canva, couldn't figure out how to get the bullets far enough spaced apart for me. So I got InDesign and so I couldn't, you know, I, could, I had a vague memory of using it 10 years ago, but I would search InDesign plus whatever the thing was I needed to do. And, you know, I would learn just enough to do the task I wanted to do and no more than that <laughs> because I don't need a course on how to do everything in InDesign. I need to know these three things to be able to make my consult and that's how people learn these days. <laughs> and so I am happy for her to learn in that way as well um, and not have to have her follow some prescribed list of things that she needs to learn to pass an exam. Um, and so I looked around and said, okay, is there a school that can do this? I looked at private schools. They're all following some kind of curriculum. I looked at Sudbury School. Closest one is 45 minutes away from us. That's an hour and a half in the car every day. Probably not going to work. Well, then what does that leave me with? I think it's called unschooling. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I love that. I love that. That whole process, you know, that you went through, and in and I just love, I love the example, right, that you pulled out of, you know, InDesign, and I need to yeah. do this little bit, and you know, maybe a little bit down the road there'll be something else that, that you and want to do, it. and you look that up, and you'll yeah. connect it, and eventually yeah. you may build a big picture of InDesign, you know, and be really fluent it's in it. To me. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but the, it's not necessary. You don't need an entire curriculum. Like I remember um, when I was learning programming, right? Uh, computer programming and stuff yeah. many, many years ago at, uh, for work. You know, they would, of course, you know, it's at work. We have to send you off for a course. You go for a week, you know, and everybody writes the welcome, hello world, <laughs> you know, in whatever language that you're trying to program in. 
And really, you're just looking for those pieces because you know what you need it to do, yeah. right? So yeah. it's it's so fascinating just to take the time to look at how we learn things yeah. and recognize that that's how humans learn things, yeah. right? It's not just for adults. Yeah, and there are some topics where I want to be the expert. You know, I have this, uh, I have a podcast, Your Parenting Mojo, on uh, issues related to parenting and child development. And for each of those episodes, I do a deep dive into the literature on, for example, rewards or gratitude or tantrums or sleep. And I want to understand what do the different perspectives say? What do, what direction does the overall uh, literature point in? And so how can I help parents to understand what they might want to do, what decisions they might want to wait, make about raising their children based on that literature? And so I am capable of becoming sort of an expert in that topic, uh, if I need to be. <laughs> and you said um, it because you want to be, right? Exactly, I because want. I want to be. I, yeah. Because I have an imposter syndrome and I don't want to be caught out <laughs> <laughs> as, you know, being somebody who has not considered major perspective that should be considered if you're sort of trying to get a complete view. But yeah, so for the topics like that, I know how to do it. I can do it. I do do it. But I don't need to be an InDesign expert to create a consult summary. So. Exactly. And that's the other really interesting piece is um, us deciding what it is that we want to dive deep in. Like um, yeah. when, and you see it, we see it in our kids too. But when we think, oh, well, if, if we're not following a curriculum, if we're not telling people what to do or telling ourselves what, what should yeah. be done, we'll How just they know what to learn? sit on the couch and do <laughs> nothing, right? Yes. <laughs> but that's not how humans how humans really work, is it? Yeah. When we when there's something that we're interested in yeah. and we want it, we dive right in there, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely do. And and kids are human too. They do too. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, my next question, which we went right into, was yeah. about. Um, you know, because once we've looked at, you know, what what is it about schools that we aren't looking to bring into our lives, um, when we're starting to think about homeschooling, you know, okay, so we're not doing school, but what about a curriculum? Do we need that curriculum, right? <laughs> yeah. um, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think I found it hard in the beginning because when I when I first started looking at homeschooling, I think, okay, do I need to know everything that my daughter needs to know before I even get started? <laughs> I mean, she's going to need to learn some math, right? At some point, she's going to find some math useful. Do I have to know all that now? <laughs> and if so, how do I do that? Yeah. And so I think it was for a while, there was a real sense of fear and panic that I might have to figure out uh, the math that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I kind of realized, okay, if we're not following a curriculum, if, if we're not going to school because we don't follow, want to follow a curriculum, we're probably not going to follow a curriculum at home. And so, no, I don't need to know everything right now. And what I realized was as she started getting a bit older, she started asking questions. And that became the basis for uh the research that we do and and trying to answer those questions kind of it, it's something that we together find enormously enjoying enjoyable and just as an example last night we uh we've actually started a learning journal where we write down her questions and uh and then we find out the answers to them and so we were just having dinner last night she said mom 
how long is pasta? <laughs> and I said, well, how do you think you could find out the answer to that question? And she said, with a tape measure. And so uh, we thought, okay, we're, we'll do that after dinner. And then she, they just kept coming. And she started saying, how far does light travel? And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, this is a bit, a bit of a bigger question. And then she said, when you push a book, what makes it fall? <laughs> And I'm, she's, she's four and she's asking questions about <laughs> physics that I, I don't know the answers to. I, mean, I, I vaguely remember potential energy and, and when you push it, something else happens. <laughs> and so we, we sat down and we uh, looked up potential energy and kinetic energy and we pushed a napkin, not, not a book, but a napkin off the table and potential energy, kinetic energy. <laughs> and what happens when it's on the floor? Does it have any more potential energy? Does it have kinetic energy? And we talked about it. And, and I'm finding that process so fun and so rewarding and keeping track of those questions and the answers that we come to together so we can go back and revisit them later and say, oh, this is what we thought last time. Has our understanding evolved in this at all? And so now I'm absolutely confident that we don't need a curriculum. Um, I know she's not going to get the peanut butter spread of topics that she would oh. get at school. Yeah. Um, and I am okay with that. Uh, I don't see a problem with that. Uh, and I actually, I think the peanut butter spread doesn't necessarily serve children very well because mm -hmm. it doesn't allow them to follow their interests in depth. Oh. In the same way oh. that I love that answer. And okay, three things jumped out of me and let's yeah. hope I can remember them. <laughs> <laughs> First, well, the peanut butter spread thing. I, I love that image and, and absolutely because with the, it just doesn't capture the connections between things, right? Yeah. Between all the different questions and things that, that come up. It, it really, it does a, a disservice to it. It, it changes um, our view of, of the real world, right? It, it yeah. is so um, smooth and, you know, it, it's like there's the <laughs> peanut butter and there's the, you know, the chocolate spread or whatever, the bananas, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it makes it look like the world is so separate instead yeah. of uh, the connection. And you know everything, right? Because you have this broad knowledge uh, in all these different topics. So you must have covered the important stuff. <laughs> yeah, you must have. You must have. <laughs> the second thing, I love that you write down the questions, mm -hmm. right? Number number one, because as you said, it's so fun to go back and revisit yeah. them and, and it just sparks conversations. And number two, because that way you don't you don't lose them, right? It's so easy yeah. to yeah. lose those questions and they're curious about them. Now maybe when you manage like a day or two later or an hour later, they're no longer curious about that question and it just yeah. kind of fades. That's okay. That's Exactly. Yeah. That's totally fine too. That was just a little flash yeah. for a moment, yeah. you know, and but you don't lose those other ones that, that yeah. they want to come back to. Right. Yeah. And even if you never end up answering the question, what writing it down did is conveyed to her that I thought that uh, her ideas are important and worth writing down and worth considering uh, finding answers to. Um, and to me, that is as, as important as finding the answer, that she recognizes that her ideas are worth investigating, that they're worth finding out the answers to. And it's not just a, oh, I don't know how microwave, I got that this morning. How do microwaves make food hot? <laughs> there, there are waves of some kind, they make food hot. <laughs> um, but, but by writing it down, she realizes that her questions have as much weight as my questions. And, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. To them. We're, we're going to find the answers. Yeah, yeah. And that third P 
piece. Um, I can't believe I actually remembered it. Wow. <laughs> um, I love when you first started um, talking about this, that shift to realizing from real, realizing I don't need to know this ahead of time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to we can discover this together. You know, yeah. that takes a load of pressure off us and it opens up our curiosity at the same time. It's such a, a huge piece of, I guess, de-schooling, right? Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to the way that I parent as well. Um, I don't parent as if I have all the answers. And mm-hmm. so a big uh, portion of why listeners come to me is, is because they are having trouble with navigating relationships with their children. And, you know, as an example, a, a child will have a tantrum and the parent doesn't know what to do. They don't know how to prevent the tantrum next time. And, you know, the method that I have of dealing that with is after the tantrum, you know, it's sort of a natural breaking point whenever you're leaving for school or going to bed or whatever, we say, let's talk about tomorrow, not in a threatening way, but just in a, you know, let's talk about this again. And then the next day when you're at a relaxed time, you sit down, you say, hey, can we talk about that thing? Because it seemed as though you really wanted to do X and I couldn't let you do it because why? But let's come up with some ideas for how we can approach this next time it comes up. And so I'm not approaching parenting as if I know the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, we approach it as if uh, she has valued input. And it's not a democracy. It's not equal weight. I'm the parent. I have to keep her safe. Um, and so, but, but her opinions are heard and valued. And so I bring that perspective from parenting to learning as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that, uh, that idea. In that I talk, I talk about it as like, let's come up with a plan, you know, for next time when we notice. And definitely that conversation is, is, is really only valuable later on when they can actually. Everybody's calm. Yeah, everybody's (laughs) calm. People have had time for it to kind of process a little bit in, in the back of their mind so that they have a little bit of insight to bring. Oh, you know, you know, maybe you recognize that they might've been tired or they might've been hungry, you know? And so you can bring those things to the conversation in the minute. We can't bring all that kind of insight to our conversation. Right. And, and to be able to just have the conversation about what can, what, what might we be able to do next time? How, what would you like me to do? Or maybe, you know, I noticed, you know, a few minutes earlier that you were starting to get frustrated. If I did this, next time would that be okay and we'll try it it's her behavior that we have to fix (laughs) yeah exactly it may have been me you know not noticing how many times you tap me on the shoulder before you you know even exactly like giving them told next time you know tell me this or or do this and because you're right i didn't respond you know in time whatever like coming to it uh, to the conversation, open and curious about each other and curious about what they yeah. see and what they felt, you know, adds so much value and helps you come up with such a, a better approach next time. And that doesn't mean the next time it works out perfect or anything like that, right? But it's probably going to be a bit better. <laughs> it's going to be a bit better, right? It's the little yeah. steps each time and say, like, oh, gee, we tried, we tried this and this and, and yeah. it worked it better. Work. What can we do next yeah. time, right? It's, it's exactly. an ongoing, yeah. it's living together, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm. It's how we live. It's how we learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, ooh, The next question that came to mind um, as we're thinking about this decision, 
um, of whether or not to move to homeschooling and unschooling, um, <clears throat> it does seem pretty reasonable to ask, okay, so, you know, this is why I'm not comfortable with school. Oh, I've decided or I figured out that, you know, I can see how curriculum won't be helpful for us. Well, it's, it seems reasonable to ask next, how do homeschooled or, and unschooled kids turn out? Because then, then we're starting to worry, okay, is this going to be a disservice to my child if I don't do all these things that seem to be so necessary, you know, in conventional society? <laughs> So when you explored that question, what did you find? Yeah. And I think the subtext of your questions is, can my child get into college? <laughs> if they're that, in school. Absolutely. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think so many parents worry about that. And actually, when I started talking about friends about homeschooling and unschooling, I would get, they would ask me the same questions over and over again. And so that's actually why I created the course uh, on helping parents decide if homeschooling is right for their families, because it seemed as though, you know, if everybody's asking the same questions, (laughs) then we can sort of systematize the process of answering these questions. So in terms of how children come out, uh, yeah, I look to the research literature, which is what I always do when I want to understand a question. And it's not an easy question to answer because there's no database of homeschoolers. So it's, Mm -hmm it's really hard to answer it in an empirical way and say, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, X percentage of homeschoolers are going to do this compared to Y percentage of children who attend regular school. So I would say what I can say about it is that homeschooling is not a guarantee that your child is going to come out great, uh, but neither is school. <laughs> so unfortunately there are no guarantees in child rearing or in education. And so As a parent, you can deliberately shield your child and reduce their socialization and only expose them to certain ideas if you want to, if that's how you approach life and learning. Excuse me. Oh, no problem. But I think as a parent, if you're making a concerted effort to expose them to new ideas and different viewpoints and not just accept the textbook answer, then not only do they learn the answer, but they learn how to learn, not, you know, not just the answer to the question. And to me, I think that's the, one of the key skills that's missing in school education is not just what is the answer, but how do I learn? And so through homeschooling, you're in a much better position to help your children understand that. Um, and so to answer the, the deeper question, can they get into college? <laughs> the answer is, of course, yes. <laughs> and the, the closest research we have on that is done by Peter Gray on his survey, survey of Sudbury. Uh, or sorry, he, he surveyed unschoolers and separately Sudbury Valley uh, surveyed its graduates. Um, and I think both of them found actually that uh, unschooled children and Sudbury graduates, which are essentially unschooled children, do go to college actually at a higher rate than children who attend regular schools. But many of them do not. And many of them take a very untraditional path. And many of them are perfectly content with that decision. And it's not to say they have failed or dropped out. It's more that they see a path right now that doesn't include college. And at some point, their path may include college. And and that's fine with them. So I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is, is the parent okay with that? (laughs) Because when you're raised in conventional society, I think there's a real, uh, particularly in America, where there's not really a good alternate path for children uh, that don't fit well into the college mold. 
Um, I think England, where I'm from, does a much better job of providing an alternate vocational type path. Um, and so it, it makes children who, who don't see themselves going to college feel, I can still make a valuable contribution to society. I'm not a dropout because I'm not going to college. Um, so yes, unschooled children can go to college. They also may not go to college and they may be fine with that. And you need to be fine with that as well as I, as I fully yeah. know <laughs> that you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's the big piece. Like I, I think part of it, as you, you talked about, it's, it's redefining what you see as success, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, because if you think that's the only way and if school is the easiest, most logical way to get there, then, you know, you kind of want to use that tool that's going to get you to the place that you think your kids need yeah. to be. But, you know, once you've gotten to this point, like through all the other questions, I think your definition of of what you are hoping for your children as they grow up is going to change, you know. Yeah. When when you don't when you don't see as much value in in school the way it is, and you're valuing more um, your child's uh, real learning in the world, you don't yeah. need it march stepped right. Yeah. And and how valuable it is that it's related to things that they're interested in and things that they want to do. You know, it becomes a, a lifelong learning thing. You you don't see college has to be a step in learning. You know that they're continuing to learn no matter what. And yeah. if the learning's there that they want to pursue, absolutely it's a choice and absolutely they can get in there, right? Yeah. Yep. There is nothing stopping homeschool is going to college for sure. Exactly. <laughs> I know that's that's kind of the representative question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's take a little bit of a step um, because the research that you've done is awesome and, and I love that that aspect of it. I, I read a lot of nonfiction and, and research, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and intellectually, understanding that research is, is great and it's a huge step in the process. But seeing it in action with your own child, in my experience anyway, really takes that understanding, that trust in the process of learning to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. yeah, have you found that? Yeah, I think through the learning journal process, sure. Um, I think the basis of my uh, trust, I'm, I'm a pretty intellectual person. <laughs> so, um, so from my perspective, reading the research, having an intellectual understanding of it is sort of the same as having trust. <laughs> That's just how it works for me personally. I know it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. And so, um, so I sort of felt as though I had that already. And what going through this uh, process of, of, keeping the learning journal and understanding her questions and answering her questions, I guess is building on that. Um, <clears throat> but I know that that's not the case for everyone. And so that's a real reason why I created the course um, because it helps people to go through all the aspects of that decision from a research perspective, but also mm -hmm. from that trust perspective, you know, what do you see about your child's learning right now? And I think you uh, helped us to walk through in the interview that you did, uh, you know, the mind mapping process where you can take something that appears to be an activity that there a person can really not be learning very much from like video games <laughs> <laughs> and understanding all the connections between that and between other things that they are learning about 
And you see that even if you think they're just messing about or not really doing anything or wasting their time on something, then actually there can be and often and usually is really valuable learning going on there. So um, so the course kind of walks you through how does that process work? Um, how do you figure out if it's legal in your area? How do you choose a curriculum? And then I sort of skirt past that and say, but, but do you <laughs> yeah. really need a curriculum? <laughs> well, by the way, you might consider. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's possible that you may find this alternate approach could work for you. Um, and yes, and how do, how do children turn out at the end of it? And so, yeah, so if your listeners are interested in learning more about that, they, there's actually a if they go to yourhomeschoolingmojo.com, there's a free seven question quiz that you can take and it returns personalized responses to you via email. Uh, so it's not just sort of a canned, um, you know, here's, yeah. one, here's one thing you could do to make yourself more ready. It's more of a, you know, all right, here's how many children you have. And so what does that mean for uh, your readiness? Um, what kinds of things are you anticipating being struggles? Well, here are some potential ways that you can address that. And so, um, so that's sort of a resource that I created for the other parents to walk them through this process of making that decision. Um, and so from my perspective, I think the, the biggest issue in terms of trust that I have, you know, I see the curiosity in my daughter. I, I believe that we're going to be able to uh, support her learning. The issue for me is believing that resources are going to be available because in the homeschooling and unschooling worlds, things change a lot and something that's there one day shuts down the next day and you might get your heart set on sending them to some resource center that is totally designed to help unschoolers uh, find and develop their passions. And then all of a sudden you hear on the grapevine that their website's still active, but it actually closed. <laughs> and so not getting your heart set on those, but trusting that something will be there. And if it's not there, then you're probably going to be building something <laughs> is I think the, the part that's most difficult for me right now. Ah, oh, that's really interesting. That's really so. You know, as you you had that trust through the research that you did. So when you're yeah. um, seeing it play out with your daughter, um, yeah. is that kind of more validation for you? Like, yeah, that's it, it really is. Like? I mean, it's it's a. Um, because you always think, what are they going to do all day? I, they're just going to sit mm -hmm. and not do anything. And then you realize that they're not. That yeah, they have moments where they say, "Mom, I'm bored," and you say, "Well." It's not my job to entertain you. You <laughs> can go figure out something to do then. <laughs> um, and then I, because I, I believe in the, the value of that process. It's not that I can't be bothered to go and help her with something. It's that the process of being bored and thinking through what your options are. And sometimes just the option is lying on the couch. I actually see that she is not very much like me in that regard because she wants to do something. <laughs> Sorry. She, she is exactly like me. Um, I, I can't sit still for a minute. <laughs> I'm usually doing two or sometimes three things at once. And she wants to be doing those things as well. And so I always make sure to offer the option, you know, if you want to, you just have to, all you need to do is sit on the couch. That's perfectly fine to do that right now. Um, but she wants to be doing something, learning something. And so, yeah, so I absolutely trust that as long as I don't get in the way and as long as nothing else like school gets in the way that that process is going to continue. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that. And I trust that. Yeah. Yeah. I love your point about, um, being careful not to get fixated on resources. Like it's part mm -hmm. of the expectations too of what you, you hope kind of hope your child will maybe become interested in or yeah. want to do. It's part, it's, it's kind of part of the same question, right? It's that mesh yeah. and having expectations around that mesh. 
And I know, yeah, yeah. I started a conference for <laughs> ran it for a few years because, mm-hmm. you know, there was nothing kind of in the area and I wanted to, you know, try make some connections with, with local people, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and I know lots of people who, um, you know, just started up kind of groups, even in their home. Oh, let's have a, a game, a game afternoon and just invite local people over, but whatever they're interested in, whether it's, you know, Nerf Wars in the park or yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. That piece to feel comfortable knowing that, you know what, even if what my child is looking for isn't out there or I don't mm-hmm. see it, I can ask around. Yeah. I can something, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? You're doing that with your child too. And your child sees that proactivity and, mm-hmm. and it's just a good way to approach life, right? Yeah. No matter what, yeah. even for ourselves. Yeah. Okay, so now let's move to your ultimate decision, as you mentioned, um, to not send your daughter to school. You said she's four as she approaches uh, compulsory school age, right? Yeah. And you're going, you plan to embrace unschooling. So I was really curious um, if there was like a final question or a light bulb moment that kind of tipped the scales for you. Okay, absolutely. This is what we're going to do. Or whether, as you talked about, whether it was an accumulation of that research um, and thinking about that research that you did that kind of convinced you to choose this path. Yeah, for me, it was definitely the accumulation of the research and that each time I had a question, you know, the socialization, the legal aspects, the how do they turn out, that the question was answered in a favorable way, that yes, this is a potential path forward. And so, um, you know, that she's in preschool right now because it is a child-led learning program. And if the rest of school was like that, I would would let her go to school, Um, but it's not. And so I'm using these two years to set up our lives in a way that will allow me to uh, spend a lot of time with her and, and, um, and unschool. And so I think, so that was the process for me, the yeah. process on my husband's side, I think was a little different just because of his personality. And so um, when, when I was starting in the convincing process, I would ask him if he liked school and he would say, yeah, I loved school. And I would say, well, what did you like about school? Recess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I said, okay. (laughs) And so, you know, he's, uh, he's a bit more of a social person than I am and he enjoys being around other people. And so he was finding it hard to imagine the idea that we would be sitting in the house all day, every day. And I I don't know if he envisioned flashcards in the picture or not, Mm -hmm. or worksheets or whatever. Um, but he definitely, didn't have the full picture of what it means to be an unschooler and the fact that you use resources in the community, you create resources in the community. And so, um, you know, having, having been with him for a while now, I know, I know how to change his mind on things and it's really a process of sort of steeping him in the knowledge and, and, uh, when something comes up related to school, I would say, well, you know, but if school did this, then it wouldn't be like that. And, <laughs> and so he hears me explain it to other people and we talk about it. And then I know it's clicked when I hear him explaining it to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that point though. It's so important to understand um, how our spouse or partner, whatever, yeah. how they think, how they like to learn, how they like to bring in information when they're, 
you know, learning yeah. about something. And like you said, knowing how to be able, how to give that information to him, the kinds of questions that he responds to, that's so important, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I, I actually think it, he had a big aha moment last night. It was our back to school night at preschool. And the teachers are kind of explaining what the different areas in the classrooms are for. And I usually go to those things actually, but he went for the first time last night. So he hadn't heard the pitch before. And uh, he's listening to, you know, block play does this for their social emotional and they do this when they're learning how to write and these are the processes their minds go through and he's thinking, Jan already knows this stuff, doesn't she? <laughs> Wait, my home is like a preschool because <laughs> he came home and he said, and, uh, and Karis asked him, you know, how, how is, how is parent teacher night? He said, I learned that my home is a preschool. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> and so I think he now realizes that, uh, you know, I, I have the understanding and the knowledge because I've done the research on this uh, to make it work. And and he wouldn't mind if she went to school, if it turned out that that was the only option, he, he would be okay with that. Um, but he is, he's willing to, to let us try this thing. And I am incredibly excited to see where this adventure takes us. Oh, that is awesome. Can you speak a little bit? Because like you said, for the last couple of years now, you've been preparing to do this. Um, Do you want to share a little bit about that journey? Because I bet a lot of people are curious and want to get themselves set up as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was a sort of a not, it's not a, it wasn't a linear process, let's just say. Um, It was a process of understanding what are my skills um, not just sort of what commoditized work can I do, but what unique skills do I have and how can I share those with the world? And I know you are interested in learning more about my podcast as well. And, and yeah. so I started that a couple of years ago. I, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's called Your Parenting Mojo. And, and I started it when I was doing the master's in psychology to share what I was learning with others, basically, with no expectation of where it would go or... Um, how, how it would impact my life. And so what I realized was, you know, I'm really good at this research. I'm really yeah. good at sharing it with other people in a way that they can understand and digest. And people want this, you know, there are so many resources on parenting where it's just some study has been released and somebody writes a clickbait article about it and that tries to tell you that there's something wrong with your child and there's no analysis of how that fits into the body of research and should we shift our parenting approach based on this new study or is it in complete contradiction to what 20 years of research tells us about and so that's kind of the service that I provide and there's a real appetite for it and so what I realize is this is something that I can potentially monetize and so um, I've developed a couple of courses based on the research that I've done, um, you know, the, the course to help parents figure out if homeschooling is right for them. And then I actually did another course for parents uh, because a, a lot of parents, when I talked to them about the homeschooling course, would say, that's great. That sounds amazing. I can't homeschool. We can't quit our job. Um, I'm invested in the school system for whatever reason. And I said, I said, okay. Um, are there things that parents who are committed to school can do to support their children's learning? Um, you know, are there things parents can do at home to try and not get the intrinsic motivation to learn squashed out of them, which school does so efficiently and effectively? Yeah. And yes, it turns out there are a lot of things that parents can do uh, in that regard. And so I created a separate course for that. 
And uh, now I'm in the process of launching a membership group because it, I surveyed my listeners, just like you surveyed yours. And mm -hmm. it turns out they love the research, but they're struggling to apply it in their daily lives. Yeah. And so the, what the membership group will do is to say, okay, here's what the research says. You listened to the podcast already. We're not going to rehash it. But here, is a, here are some things to think through. And here are some ways that you can apply that research. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, you know, let's get on a call and talk about it. Let's talk about what problems you're having. And, and then you go away for a couple of weeks and practice it. And then we'll come back again and we'll talk about it and we'll fine tune. And at the end of this month, you'll have a solid plan for how you deal with tantrums. And the incidence of tantrums that you're going to see is going to be greatly reduced. And so people are willing to pay for that. And so I'm creating this suite of uh, offerings to parents based on my capabilities, my core skill set, uh, that parents really find useful. And so I think that's sort of a long way of saying uh, to parents who are at the beginning of this journey, you know, don't just think about what's what commoditized work can I do? Yes, you could tutor children in uh, China for you know 20 bucks an hour on Zoom at five in the morning if you want to help them improve their English. That's available. That's an option. But what unique skills do you bring that can command a premium in the marketplace that someone will really value? And how do you bring those to the world? You know, from my perspective, starting the podcast was I really started it because I have learned through living and, <laughs> and learning as you do when you live, not because anyone taught me or because it was on a curriculum. <laughs> if you put an intention out in the world, things will happen. And it's, it's not sort of a Berkeley, you know, woo thing. Woo. <laughs> it's, uh, if nobody knows that you're interested in this stuff, then how can anyone help you? <laughs> how can you figure out what value you can bring to the world? Um, and so I didn't, I don't charge for the podcast. I don't plan to charge for the podcast. It's a free resource available for everyone, just like yours is as well. But the connections that you make and the people that you meet and the things that you learn through doing that, you realize can form the foundation of something that's much bigger. And so I would encourage listeners to think through what are those unique skills and talents that I have? And how can I bring those to the world in a way that uh, I can monetize um, on a, in a way that doesn't require me to be at a place at a time <laughs> on a consistent basis that can enable me to have this homeschooling, unschooling lifestyle and have my own thing that I'm passionate about and that makes money as well. Yeah, no, I love, I love that. And I know it's not woo woo. It's, no. it's having that out there. Number one, you know, like how we connected, right? Yeah, My yeah. podcast was out yeah, there. I wouldn't have found you that that's yeah. how I found you. Yeah. <laughs> I, if you had not had that, I wouldn't have found you. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the other thing it does too, for ourselves, I think is bring it to our top of mind. Yeah. So that we see those connections out there. Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was, you knew of my podcast, et cetera, but it was when you were thinking about the course and stuff, that connection came yeah. to you, right? Yeah. Because you were thinking about that. And I have found that so many times with myself too, when all of a sudden I'm thinking about something, um, wanting to do it, and now it's top of mind, I'm talking about it more, and then all of a sudden you see so many connections around you and things yeah. that you can do, right? But not until you brought it, but brought it up and and keeping it 
yeah the top of mind focus on it yeah and spend time on it thinking about it um forefront in terms of doing research on a topic right now but also just kind of having it there in your brain yeah exactly <laughs> letting your subconscious bubble away yeah. on those connections yeah. right exactly. yeah 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 it's a, it's amazing how 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 the brain works basically. It is right? yes. I mean, we, <laughs> once we learn to work with it and not uh, and not not try to fix it in in yeah, a path, right? In buckets, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or yeah. Tell it you, we must go this way, or everything is linear because everything is not linear. You know, you don't learn X so that you can learn Y so that you can learn Z. You learn as much as you need. You backtrack. You forget something. You relearn it. <laughs> you make a connection that wasn't there before because you didn't know this person before. It would have been helpful five weeks ago, but you know it now. And now you, <laughs> you push something forward and, and yeah, that's, that's life, right? Yeah, exactly. That, to learn for life. <laughs> that's how learning really works, right? Yeah. It's not, it's, it's jumps and it's little steps and it's hitting yeah. the wall and it's going a different yeah. direction. It's, it's yeah. not step by step by step following that curriculum. curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for yeah. mentioning your podcast and how that came about. So yeah. um, I will have links to all your stuff in the show notes for people. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Jen. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, likewise. I'm so glad uh, that we were able to make this happen. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And before we go, um, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Yeah, the best place uh, to reach everything that I do is at yourparentingmojo.com, which is the home of the podcast. Um, pretty soon, there's going to be information up there on the membership group, if that's of yeah. any interest, if you have parents who have younger children um, and they're interested in, you know, how, how do I use scientific research and actually apply it to um, my relationship with my children in a respectful and child-led way, that's going to be at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash membership. Uh, if you get podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, that's a good place to find it as well. And if you're interested in making the decision to homeschool and kind of having someone walk you through all aspects of that decision, uh, that seven-question quiz to assess your readiness and also a whole bunch of information about the course is at yourhomeschoolingmojo.com. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much, Jen. Have a great day. Thanks, Pam. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the second book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Live, Create a Thriving Unschooling Home. In it, I dive into the four characteristics that I found helped unschooling flourish in our home. Curiosity, patience, strong relationships, and trust. One reviewer wrote, Really enjoyed this short and sweet book. It has marvelous one-liners, and though I'm not an underliner, I found myself underlining on every page. Another said, I believe it would benefit any homeschooler or parent to read this book as it re-emphasizes the importance of the relationship between a parent and a child in the learning process. I plan to reread this book. It is rich and full of gems. Give yourself some time to absorb it before rushing into unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.